I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Healy's away. Australia away. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Hello and welcome to the Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. I'm Emily Collin. And I'm Laura Jolly. And LJ, it finally feels like this Cricket World Cup is around the corner now. We've been waiting for it for such a long time. I mean, like a year, even after it got postponed. So it all gets underway on Friday, of course, and the Aussies get underway against England on Saturday. So today on the show, we've got Kristen Beams, who's on deck to analyse and preview everything ahead of the tournament. So she looks at all the teams and who might pose the biggest threats to Australia. But first of all, we were both at the two warm-up matches that Australia played over the last few days. So first of all, Australia had a comfortable win versus the West Indies. But then probably something we weren't expecting was Australia's nine-wicket loss to New Zealand. I guess the question is, LJ, do you think how much do you think Australia will read into this and heading into a big tournament, does it change any of their plans at all? Yeah, it's an interesting one because... Like, New Zealand were phenomenal. Sophie Defiant absolutely monstered that chase. They never looked like getting her out and definitely means they'll be thinking hard about what they do against her when New Zealand and Australia play in the group match. But the other thing to take into account is that they use nine bowlers. They wouldn't have done that usually. They would have stuck to certain plans rather than just trying to give everyone a fair share of overs. Matthew Mott also said they didn't exactly show their hand with some of their plans for how they want to get Divine and Kerr out when they do play in the tournament. So I would say they they were keeping a few things up their sleeve, but at the same time, you just never want to get tonked like that. The, the bowlers wouldn't have enjoyed that and it's not really what you want right on the eve of a tournament. Um, what do you reckon from that game? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like looking on, we were sitting there and it was pretty obvious that the bowlers – they had no answers for what Sophie Devine and Susie Bates and then Amelia Kerr, were that, the way they were batting, like, they were doing it so easily. But I I do think, like, the Aussies, they didn't seem... They obviously have said publicly they don't seem too stressed about it and I think it is fine for them to have a loss. Like, I think probably in all sports, it's not... Like, this Aussie team, they win so much. Like, it's not the end of the world to have a loss heading to, into a big tournament like this. Like, And I think Matthew Mott said the same thing. It, 
bit of a kick up the backside. And I think, yeah, heading into this big tournament where, where everyone's going to be out to get the Aussies, it's it's good for them to remember that. And, you know, every team can play some really good cricket and everyone's going to be out to get them. So hopefully it fires them up. And I guess looking ahead to their, um, to their opening match against England, we all want to know who's going to be in that playing 11. We've seen some really good performances from probably that middle order that kind of makes it a bit tricky for the selectors. So Annabelle Sutherland's been awesome in that first match particularly, but then Ash Gardner was probably even better against New Zealand with the bat. So I think she made like 60 off 30. And then Alana King, like how can you not pick Alana King? She's been so good. So it's looking like a pretty tough ask for the selectors. I guess conditions, conditions come into it. Yeah, Matthew Mott said today that he was. they were pretty close to finalising in 11. They just want to get to Hamilton and have a look at Seddon Park and, and see how that pitch might play. Um, he also said he feels like the top nine picked themselves and then there's only a couple of spots up for debate. Um, and I think there'll be a, probably two changes at least from the last ODI against England, remembering that Beth Mooney got rested and, and so was Darcy Brown. So... Assuming they both come back into the side, it's then a matter of who goes out, whether that's Carey or Sutherland or King. Um, it's going to be going to be very interesting. Yeah, it's certainly going to certainly going to be very interesting. So Australia, obviously, as we've said, they come up against England. We've seen a lot of England in the last month or so. Obviously, with the Ashes, Australia didn't lose a match against England in the Ashes. Those three ODIs, they all won. But England, so they've come out, they've beaten Bangladesh in their first warm-up and they're currently, as as we are recording right now, they've currently got um, South Africa five for not many runs in their second warm-up match. So they look to be sort of hitting their straps and they wouldn't have, they would have hated losing to Australia the way they did in the Ashes and they'll certainly come out with a point to prove and Matthew Mott certainly sounded like he was expecting to see a very different England lineup come Saturday. Yeah, they've obviously had more than three weeks to park the Ashes and, and to move past that so I don't think they're going to be seeing this as the fourth ODI from the Ashes or anything like that. They'll, they'll come out as a different lineup. And I think a lineup with a point to prove. Mm-hmm. Seems like they've settled on Lauren Winfield Hill to keep her spot at the top of the order. She opened in both the warm ups, and then they'll they'll just be deciding whether they play that extra batter or the extra bowler. Um, again, probably coming down to conditions, but yeah, I think anything could happen in that that first match. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute ripper. Like, what a way, what a way for the tournament to get underway for the Aussies. And the last thing we're going to do, LJ, we've been chatting about it. We're going to try and predict a final four, so predict the four semi-finalists. And we both sort of think that there are five genuine contenders that can make make the cut, make or win this tournament. So we've probably narrowed it down to Australia, England, the hosts, New Zealand, South Africa, and India. So one of those teams is going to miss out on the final four. Who do you think it's going to be? <laughs> Yeah, and, and we don't want to do any disrespect to Bangladesh, the West Indies, or Pakistan. They're they're all capable of winning matches throughout this tournament. Um, I think what we've seen from the Windies so far that even though they're a more confident, happier outfit under Courtney Walsh, and they've got some absolute stars in that lineup, what we saw from them against Australia and India didn't suggest that their ODI cricket has come too far in the last few years. Mm. They still. Um, didn't really show a great deal of intent trying to chase down either of the targets in the warm-up matches. So it's going to be difficult for them to qualify and I think Pakistan and Bangladesh, two of the lower-ranked teams in the tournament, will be similarly challenged taking on the top teams. But of those top five, 
Um, it's incredibly <laughs> hard to choose. And, and I feel like whoever does miss out will be seriously unlucky. But I'm going to say South Africa purely because they're missing Dane van Newkirk, who is so important for them with the bat and the ball. And also with Lizelle Lee coming in, sorry, sort of lacking preparation and I feel like they might be the ones who lose out. What's your tip? It's a fair call. It's definitely a blow for South Africa. I'm missing Dane van Newkirk, the captain, such a such an important player for them. I am I'm sure some of our listeners won't like this. <laughs> But I think I think India are going to be the ones who miss out. I just think they've come into this tournament. They got beaten pretty convincingly by the hosts, New Zealand. I just don't. I think they're not going to be able to stand up when in the tournament play when it counts. And I think they're going to be the ones who are left a bit sad at the end of this tournament. That's my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think they're probably of those top contenders, the team that's least organized in how they want to go about their ODI cricket right now. They don't even really be seem seem to know what their top order looks like. They yeah, there doesn't seem to be a lot of consensus on how they're going to approach their batting, which heading into a tournament is really not ideal. No, certainly not. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. We absolutely cannot wait for it all to get underway on Friday. And then, of course, with the Aussies getting underway on Saturday, you can watch all the action on KO and Foxtel. But for now, enjoy some razor-sharp analysis from Kristen Beams. Kristen Beams, former Aussie leg spinner, welcome back to The Scoop. We're stoked to have you back. We're obviously looking ahead to a massive 2022 Cricket World Cup, which is here in New Zealand. Beamsy, you've been part of ODI World Cup campaigns before. From your perspective and from a player's perspective, like what makes them so special? Like what makes them memorable and why why are they so high up in terms of a player's player's perspective? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, World Cups are, are really special. I think for as a player, you you think about Ashes series and and how you measure yourself against England and, and you feel, really kind of feel like that's one of your biggest tests. And the other for me is is just around a World Cup and to come up against every nation. So the ability as a player to perform against every single nation really sets you apart, I think, as a player um, and as a team. And, and I think just knowing how big they are, the coming together of, of all of the groups. And I think now, especially with WBBL and, you know, the 100 and other um, T20 competitions, I, I think we're playing, we're seeing a lot of cricketers playing against each other a lot more. Players know each other a whole lot more. And it just feels like there's more and more pressure. But to, to win a World Cup is, is not an easy thing to do. I never did it as a player um, and I had two losing World Cup campaigns. So that's not necessarily an easy thing to do to win a World Cup. So it means a lot to to every country. And Australia have a a ridiculous record in ODIs, not just over the past five years, which we know about, but just stretching back through the history. I think they've lost 11 World Cup games ever at that tournament. But just looking more across the last few years, what has made Australia such a dominant force in ODIs? Yeah, I I think it's the options. I think a a team that has so many different options um, across different skill sets is really what makes a, a, a really, really good team. So I think it means that players can play different roles within the team. I think Elise Perry's been such a great example of a, a player who has been a dominant bowler, a dominant batter, a dominant all-rounder. And I think if you've got those sorts of options within your team, it makes it really easy. And I think when those sorts of players complement each other as well, I mean, you look at the top order of Australia and you've got Elisa Healy and Rachel Haynes, two very different players, Mm. but they can play their natural games because they complement each other really nicely. I think in the same way we'll see Alana King and Jess Jonathan do the same. Jess Jonathan 
super economical, sliding in, and then yeah. you'll see, that, you know, an Alana King give the ball a whole lot more air and do th- things differently. So I think it's options, but I think it's also when those options complement each other, which is really important. Yeah, and from an Australian point of view, Beamsy, Meg Lanning, Australian captain, she's obviously someone you know very well. She's been at the forefront of so much of this success that this team's had. So the way that she sort of developed her own leadership and the environment she's created, it's just sort of allowed this team to thrive and she's just getting the best out of each and every one of these Aussie players. Yeah, she. I mean, she was such a young captain when she she took over the job for Australia and and she's grown and the team has grown around her and, and that's, a, that's a really special thing. I, I love the attacking style of play that she's got, the way that she backs her bowlers. And she doesn't, she's sort of a captain who doesn't get caught up in the small stuff. And I think that's really important for a a skipper of an international team. I think there's so much happening if we think about COVID times and all the changes that we've seen, there's a whole lot going on. And for me, a a leader to, to lead through those things within and external to the game, I think is such a testament to Meg. And you've seen a lot of Australia recently, obviously with the Ashes. Are there any weaknesses in that lineup that you've pinpointed or things you think they might need to improve on for this World Cup? No, I actually think it's going to be just a lot about getting the matchups right. I think when you've got so many options, I think sometimes that'll be their their biggest challenge to be spoilt for choice, which sounds a little bit funny that, you know, there's probably other teams in the World Cup going, oh, you know, like we've only got, you know, a really good 11. We don't have all these players sitting in and behind. So I think their biggest challenge is going to be getting the right 11 against the right opposition and and just managing player expectations through that. I mean, if you're going to be using players for different games and not other games, you know, what what impact does that really have on players coming in and out of the side as well? And BBC, we often see in this Aussie team, different players just tend to step up at different moments. Is there anyone who you think is going to, managed to really string together a few consistent performances and really dominate this this World Cup? I love it when people question a player like Elisa Healy because I actually think it brings out the best in her and, and I think she'll dominate this World Cup. I, I think every time there's been commentary uh, about the way that she goes about her batting and, you know, the, the test match, there was sort of conversations about whether you could keep and open the, the batting and I think that every time that happens, she responds as a player and, that is why I, she was somebody I loved playing cricket alongside. I think she's just an absolute fighter. She's got that competitiveness and she really thrives on, on people having that commentary and, and doing those things. So I think she's going to be the player that dominates. And, and then again, you know, she'll be able to, I guess, write that from, you know, the wrongs of, of everyone making commentary about her. And you were obviously part of the last campaign in 2017 and you know how much it hurt um, with that semi-final loss. Do you think the scars of that tournament have healed for this current team? And how do you think their style of plays evolved since that tournament? I think when they, it, when, if they win that trophy, I think they'll be go, they'll say, right, we can, now we can put a full stop at the end of it. Because yeah. I think there's always going to be commentary from outside that, that says, what about 2017? And um, what did that, what did that mean? And how much did that hurt? Look at Billy just making contribution in the background. We love um, Billy but I think, look, I think, Billy Bean's always, he wants to have his say. He's like, yeah, the scars are healed, guys. The scars are healed. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think, I think, look, I think they, they are. I think in the way that they're playing their cricket, I think the way the team has changed. Uh, I, look, I don't think there are any scars from 2017, but I still think they'll want that trophy in the trophy cabinet so that they can put a full stop at the end of it. Good shot, Beansy. And just on the conditions in New Zealand, did you get much experience over there? And what kind of game style do you think it will suit? And do you think it'll particularly suit any of the Aussie players more than any others? 
Uh, I think it'll change. And I think over the the tournament, and, and that's always a, the thing about World Cup tournaments is that, you know, you're going to end up with some some grounds that over time get a little bit tired. So, look, I think there'll be a little bit in it for the bowlers early on in the tournament. There's going to be a need to have kind of greener wickets. So I think it'll be to the advantage of pace bowlers early on in the tournament. Yeah. Um, so I'd see someone like a Megan Shoot be able to get really big swing early on in the tournament. Darcy Brown's always going to be challenging on, on green wickets. But I think later in the tournament, I think spinners um, will come into their own and batters who play well against spin. So I'd expect some of those players to do really well, um, players who sweep the ball a lot. Mm. Um, so I think there'll they'll be sort of a little bit in it for everyone. So again, it's for me thinking about, well, will we see 11s change across the tournament based on that as well? So will we see players maybe who are um, really good against spin play more of a role that higher in lineups um, and a team like Australia have the ability to, to swing and make those changes as they need to. And just looking more broadly across the rest of the teams, um, we might put you on the spot here and find out if you could pick who you think Australia's three biggest threats are for the title and, and maybe one dark horse. Uh, I think it's going to be the sort of the big four nations I would see are going to be the um, the top teams, obviously Australia are part of that, but I think New Zealand, England and India will be the, the big three. Um, I think the, the way that New Zealand are playing against India, I've had the chance to, to watch quite a bit of, of those matches and they're playing a really attacking brand of cricket at the moment. Amelia Kerr's in amazing form. Um, so I think she'll be a big threat with bat and ball. I think England definitely, Heather Knight, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure anyone's worked out how to, to be really successful against a player like Heather Knight. Uh, she leads that team so well. And then India as well. I think they're so unpredictable. We saw what they did in 2017. I think Harman Kaur is a player that can can take the game away from you. So I think India will always be that challenge. The dark horse for me is always South Africa. I think their players come out here in play in the WBBL, have huge success, but I don't think they've had the kind of team success that they would like to win World Cup tournaments. So is this going to be the, the year where all that changes? I think Lizelle Lee's on a plane at the moment moment um her partner's just had a baby i think she's a really key player for them i think she has the ability to take a game away from the opposition which is really important yeah so beansy just just looking at new zealand i mean they had a, a great series win against india which possibly not many people would have foreseen and even though we saw them go down yesterday in, in the practice match but it looks like they're playing some really good cricket and like they're feeling confident as team do you see them as the host do you Things that they can threaten Australia and can they can they make a real run in this tournament? Well, you hope that in home conditions that they know how to play those conditions better than anyone else. So you would hope that that gives them a real advantage um, from that side of things. But I think what we've seen is the evolution of some younger players within their team. And I think Amelia Kerr is a really good example of that. I think Jess Kerr has also been very good. Um, and some of their middle order are starting to make a few more contributions. Hayley Jensen is a player that's played a lot of WNCL and WBBL as well. So I think they've always been really top heavy as a team. So now I think they've got a little bit better balance throughout their lineup. And it just makes me think, you know, can the, the home conditions, home crowds, all of a sudden I think they've got a little bit more depth in their batting and bowling options, can they genuinely challenge some of the, the the big teams in this competition? And what we've seen them do is both set and chase um, against India in, in preparation um, with those games, those five games as well. So I kind of, I, I think they could genuinely be a team. I think how they mix and match their, their team though will play a bit of a factor. They've got to be careful with a player like Leah Tahuhu. She needs to play the big games 
because um, she can have a big impact. But how they manage their players might be quite telling. And if you had to pick one of the White Ferns, who would you say is the key player for them in this tournament? I think everyone will say Amelia Kerr. I think she's in unbelievable form. Um, but I think, you know, she's going to be important to, to what they do. But I think it's all about Sophie Devine. I think at times I think I'd like to see her play more of a role with the ball. I think at times she's a reluctant um when she's captaining and I think for me I think she's got to lead this team and and that means taking the opportunity and, and making sure she gives herself enough time with bat in hand as well to play beginnings um, we know how devastating she is I think every bowler who's ever played against Sophie Devine's had their heart broken so you know I think she can be really key and you mentioned India being very unpredictable and it seems like they might have a few questions still to answer about their best lineup. What do you see as their strengths and weaknesses going into this tournament? Well, I think their difference with their bowling because they have those slower spinners and they're prepared to toss the ball up. And, and we don't see as many of the countries to do that. You know, we're talking about an Amelia Kerr who will bowl quicker through the air. The Australian spinners generally bowl quicker through the air as do the England spinners. So I think they've got a different brand with their spinners, which is really different. And I think also just those unpredictable players. So a, a player like, you know, Harman Preet that can just look like she's cruising, she's in first gear and then all of a sudden just takes the game away. I think it's that unpredictable nature with their, their batting that makes them so good. Yeah, and we did, we heard um, that Harman Preet actually scored 100 in yesterday's practice match for India against South Africa. Do you think she's their sort of most dangerous player or is there someone else that's really going to, do you reckon, take a, take a big swipe out of every other team this tournament? Well, I must admit, I was really surprised they didn't take Jamima Rodriguez in that yeah. team. I think I would have been saying she was going to be their, their most important player and she didn't even make their squad. I, I still think they're going to be really reliant on Matali Raj to hold it all together. It looks like at the moment people are people love and hate Matali Raj in, in that sense. You know, she, they talk about that strike rate continuously. But I think that if she can play that really consistent role and have that strike rate, you know, 80 plus most of the time, I think it's just actually going to allow a bit more freedom for their top order. We've seen Richard Gosh play a couple of really good hands as well. So I think if she can do her role there, I think it allows Harman Preet to, to play with more freedom. Richard Gosh, I think they've got really good options to try and take the game on. But if Natali Raj can't play that role, if she's a little bit too slow or she gets that cheap, I think it puts their middle to lower order under pressure. And at times we've seen India kind of pull the handbrake on when they're, they're under the pump. So mm -hmm. I think someone like Matali Raj would be really important to just allow them to do their thing. Yeah, for sure. And just looking at England, they've obviously come off a pretty tough Ashes series in Australia. Like they've got still got some questions lingering around their, their top order. How do you think they're going to recover heading into this World Cup after losing three ODIs on the trot against Australia? And do you think they can pick themselves back up again? Yeah, look, I think they're a team that will be really disappointed with how they played against Australia because it – you know, I think all the commentary coming out of their camp was that they felt like they were actually not that far away. So I think they'll actually hit the ground running. I think, you know, they'll get through some some warm-up games, not playing against Australia, and that'll help them into the lead-up. But I think the key for them will be not to think too much about Australia. You've got them, yes, they've got them in the, the first game of the competition, but it's not just about Australia. And I think they'll actually get some momentum and some traction by being able to beat some of the other nations. And I, I look, I think they will have really good success um, so they, for, for them, I just think they've got to get themselves in a position that they're, they're going to be coming up against Australia at the back end of the tournament and not letting that be something that, that holds them back early on. But I still expect them to challenge. I think they're a quality team. Um, they've got some um, incredible options, experienced options within that team with Heather Knight, Catherine Brunt, Nat Siver. 
I think when you've got a trio like that, you're going to win more games than you lose. So I still think they'll have a big impact on this tournament. Um, you just hope they don't have that hangover from the ashes. And you mentioned Heather Knight's impact before. Is she the key player for them, do you reckon? Oh, look, I think she is. I think she's the key player with bat and potentially with ball as well. I think she's a player for me that tends to come on and take a few wickets. And we've not seen her really use herself too much from a bowling point of view. And I think that's something that she's probably going to have to shift because the, the times are only going in with Sophie Eccleston as their, their best spin option. So I think Heather Knight's going to have to play a, bo- a role with both bat and ball if they're going to have success. Um, so again, we're talking about captains who sometimes are a little bit reluctant to bowl themselves. I think she's somebody who tends to come on, pick up a wicket and then she can, and then get herself back out again. But I think that she's going to be really important. And, you know, all the talk from different players you speak to, people love to play cricket for her as a captain. And again, when you're coming into World Cup tournaments, having those sort of captains that really lead by example and the, the, the kind of captain that players really want to play for, I think is really important because they're tough tournaments and they're going to be even more tough under, you know, COVID and all of the other things that are happening outside of it. So, yeah, I think Heather Knight will be critical. And Beamsy, as you mentioned, Australia do open their tournament against England. Would you be surprised if England can pull out, somehow pull out a win after after the Ashes series they had and come out and make a huge statement against the Aussies? Well, anything's possible in World Cup tournaments. I think, it, you know, it is a completely different series. So I don't think either team will be thinking, oh, this is, you know, nearly game four of the ODI series. I think it'll, it'll look and feel really differently. So... Um, what England do with that lineup, we saw them do some different things at the, the back end from a batting point of view um, with Emma Lamb came, in, came into the team, but their practice match that they had, Lauren Winfield was back up top. So, you know, what their, what their best 11 is from a batting point of view coming up against Australia will be really interesting to, to kind of see how it unfolds. But look, I think they'll, they'll do well um, against Australia, but Again, I just think Australia, with the depth and the the options they've got, they they could play some some really good cricket with some people that maybe didn't play really good cricket in the previous ODIs. And what a luxury for for Australia that is. Luxury indeed, Beamsy. Always a pleasure to chat to you and get your thoughts on on everything heading into a massive World Cup. Thank you for joining us, and we can't wait for the World Cup to all unfold. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catches Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.